Hello and welcome to your favorite Spooky Boys show, The Pod People. I'm your host, Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm joined by Ben Sheets. Hello, hello. And in honor of the 4th of July and to celebrate our great country, we're here to talk about the Purge series. Don't say we never did anything for you because we sat down and watched all three of these movies in a three day span of time. Mm, why? <laughs> it was a oh. chore. We've seen all three of these movies before, too. So it's not like we didn't know what we were getting into. Just the central concept of The Purge is inherently flawed. And inherently stupid. Yeah, because, you know, the idea is for 12 hours, once a year, all crime is legal. Yet people only are raping and killing people and not doing like white collar crime and just stealing tons of stuff right like we were talking about this through all three of the movies the kind of white collar crime that would be happening on this one night a year but all we're ever shown is people dressing up in halloween costumes and murdering each other yeah the way that the purge is depicted in these movies is under the assumption that everyone in America is either a juggalo or a Slipknot fan. Basically, I mean, they all have really trashy, violent tendencies. Like, the pageantry oh, feels... Oh, you're, you're talking about, like, the masks. And the face paint and stuff. I mean, it feels like an excuse for the production designers to sort of have fun, and I think they succeed, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the context of how gritty and dark and not fun these movies are. Well, you know, I, I feel like the production design is the best part of all I, three of the movies, I agree. honestly. I agree. It's I, the most I, fun part, you, but the movies you, are not you, fun. You say they are so Slipknot-esque or Juggalo-esque, but I think they're a little more fun than that sometimes. Uh, I mean, yeah, I can agree with that, but I feel like if this were set in reality, aside from the fact that there would be way more white-collar crime, I don't think people would be dressing themselves up like they do in these movies. I guess covering your identity will keep people from taking revenge on you during the next purge but like half the time these people are taking off their masks well yeah it, it's just it's like a second halloween where you can kill people i think it's in the third one that someone says the purge is halloween for adults yes that is <laughs> the third one i think some dude selling masks on the street yeah i just i think that sums up the the mo of the the pageantry of the purge perfectly well i before we start talking specifics i would like to talk about where the premise of the purge came from uh all all of these three not the fourth one um but the first three are all written and directed by james demonico he's you know been in control of the whole franchise up until this point tour <laughs> oh tour james demonico which is weird because all three of these movies feel like they were written and directed by different stylistically, people stylistically they're all 
completely different. Yeah. So according to James DeMonico, the idea for The Purge came from an incident of road rage he had uh, with his wife in the car. And I'm going to uh, to read a little excerpt about that. According to director James DeMonico, the famous road rage incident awakening the idea for The Purge happened like this. He and his wife were driving on the freeway when a drunk driver cut them off, nearly killing them. After both cars stopped, the other driver's lack of remorse enraged DeMonico enough to engage in a fist fight, and police eventually had to get involved. After the incident was over, DeMonico's wife turned to him and commented how great it would be to have one free murder a year. <laughs> He felt bad admitting this because she's normally such a sweet woman. Because of that, we now have the purge. If they would have specified that, like, murder specifically was legal, that would have made my uh, suspension of disbelief a little more at ease than, like, all crime, because... Literally, all we see is, is murder, violence yeah. in this in these movies. Because the idea is apparently that if you give the American populace one night to release all of their anger and aggression, then they won't do any crime for the rest of the year. And I, I think you know, there's a glimmer of satire and commentary in that, in like the American culture. A of- glimmer. Maybe not a glimmer. It's heavy-handed as well. Balls. No, no. Well, let me let me expand on that. Okay. Like there's there's a hint at commentary with that idea. The problem is it's just so half baked. Yes. In all three of these movies, that it doesn't say anything coherent or intelligent. It with gets that. it gets less intelligent as the series progresses. I disagree. I think I think the the central concept and commentary expands throughout the series, but it's still incoherent I would all the say, way through. I, I would say that the scope expands, but the the core commentary does not, I don't think. Because the idea is that, oh, this is an excuse for us to get rid of people who are a burden to society the poor the homeless those who don't contribute because rich people can protect themselves during the purge poor people cannot so that's the idea and that's something that they touch on in the first movie not in great detail but it is mentioned more than once and that idea is never really expanded upon in the other movies, its scope is just broadened, I think. We see more of that uh, in the it, later movies. I think it's expanded upon a little bit. I think we see, you know, how in the... Well, we'll get into a little bit more of this later, but in the second one, you know, you have explanations of how the military was involved to increase the violence of the original ones. Sure. To progress I'll, I'll concede those that. things. You have elements of rich people directly, you know, bidding on killing poor people. You know, you you have some expansion, but it's still ultimately half-baked throughout. Well, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, and let's just start with the original Purge. Yes. 
It stars Ethan Hawke as a uh, a guy who sells security systems to rich people for their houses, specifically for the purge, complete with like blast doors that come down over their windows and doors and security monitor systems, yada, yada, yada. And they live in this big, fancy Beverly Hills-esque neighborhood, um, him and his wife and kids. And uh, he's made himself rich off of selling these to all of his neighbors. But this year, the purge comes to him. This one is by far the smallest scale. I think that's my problem with it, honestly, in a way, because, you know, it's just focused on Ethan Hawke's family, The Night of the Purge, as a poor black man. Homeless. Uh, homeless man. He uh, appears, and Ethan Hawke's son lets him in the house to gain refuge for the night, essentially. And a pack of purgers, I guess you could call them, uh, are trying to hunt this guy down. So it's at odds with these people who want to kill this homeless dude versus the family versus this homeless guy who's kind of in the middle of all of it. I think in concept, I don't have a problem with the small scale of this movie. It's just an execution where I find it extremely lacking. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think the concept itself has a lot of potential to be really interesting commentary. The thing is, it doesn't want to take a position on anything. N well, it kind of does at a certain point. I mean, at first you have this really interesting dynamic where the the purgers are, you know, asking for the homeless swine, as they call him, multiple times, which I feel like is just a substitution for the N-word in this situation. They have the way, the way several they, substitutes for the N-word in all, all three, three of these, of these movies. movies, which is weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, um, especially since James Mon DeMonico is a white dude. Right. All of this. Um, so you've got this really interesting dynamic between the Persians, who are all uh, upper-class, yuppie, college-age yeah, kids. post-college. Well, the the one guy is wearing like a like a Ivy League school blazer with like some sort of crest on it. They're they're young yuppie folks, yeah. Um, who want who downright state that he is a drain on society, so he doesn't deserve to live. So you've got them. You've got the homeless guy who's just trying to survive, and then you have Ethan Hawke who is only trying to protect his family, so he's trying to get the guy out of his house so the purgers won't come in and kill him and his whole family. Um, and I, I think that that sort of dichotomy is interesting, where you know, Ethan Hawke and his family know that what they're doing is not right, but it's like, well, it's him or us. So, so that, that stuff is, is interesting to me, but then at a certain point, it just becomes a knockoff of like the strangers. It devolves into home invasion tropes, slasher, slasher tropes, yeah. you know, and not even in a good way. 
You know, it doesn't do anything new or interesting with the genre, really. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it does it badly. It just doesn't do it in a way that's interesting or creative. I think the slasher well, think stuff that, is all... It's, that it alone means it does it badly. Because well, it, it, it does its concept a, a major disservice, which is why it comes across as bad. I was thinking about when I was watching it this time, and... If it was outside of the context, the quote-unquote high concept of The Purge, then I think it would be just sort of a generic but finely executed slasher film if it was just a home invasion thing. The problem is it sets up this this higher concept uh, acting like it's trying to make a statement about something, and then it doesn't. And then it's just like, oh, I've seen slasher movies. I can do that. And that's what makes it so lackluster and disappointing, I think. I don't know, man. I, I think we should get into a little bit of specifics on the details on why it doesn't work. I think, first off, we should talk about the totally unnecessary subplot. Yes, I know exactly where you're going. The daughter of Ethan Hawke and her boyfriend, who just happens, you know, to be in the house during the purge. He sneaks into their house before the they turn on their security system and lock down. He at first does so under the pretense of, oh, I just want to spend time with you, baby. Um, But then quickly reveals that he's here to talk to her dad because her, your dad can't forbid me to see you, that fucking asshole. It's like, well, first of all, kid, that's not how that works. You're both minors and she lives in his house. He can really do whatever the fuck he wants. But... Then it goes totally out the window when as soon as he comes into the room that Ethan Hawke is in, he just pulls out a gun and starts shooting at him. No attempt at conversation. It's like he's there specifically to kill Ethan Hawke. And what is his end game? What is his end game? You expect... You know, the daughter's panties to be all wet after right. fuck, her fucking dad is murdered, you know? Right, like, you expect it to just be like, oh, you killed my dad, now we can finally be together. It's like, Ethan Hawke is not presented as a bad father, maybe a little strict, but it's not like he's cruel or abusive or that she's gonna be happy that he, her boyfriend has killed him. And then... Ethan Hawke shoots him, and he dies, and the whole thing is totally forgotten. Yeah, it's not mentioned at all throughout the rest of the movie. No, and it it serves zero purpose. The movie would not have lost anything had they cut that out. It's totally padding. It's such a weird subplot to have. And there's a couple other subplots in the other movies that are very similar in that they're totally Every single one of these movies has a totally unnecessary subplot that is completely forgotten as it's soon like as it's concluded. The only MO of these subplots are to be like, hey, anything can happen in the purge. It's it's fucking padding. It's like, oh, if we don't add the these 15 minutes of subplot then our movie's gonna be under length like that's what it feels like i agree i think 
it's totally unnecessary and really weird to have in the movie. My other problem with the purgers, I guess you could call them, is the main guy, he feels like he watched either Jared Leto act or just the Joker in The Dark Knight. Well, yeah, that's trying. that's what it came across as to me, because obviously this movie this movie came out in 2013. Yeah. So well before Jared Leto. But and Jared Suicide Leto Squad. is Jared Leto in every movie. I mean, I mean, yes, but this this guy's performance feels like he was aping uh, Heath Ledger's Joker like way, 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 way too much. He definitely had the uh, the trappings of the character. I could see the similarities. I also got a very insufferable vibe that I usually just linked to Jared Leto from it. The He's acting, hamming it up in a bad the way. The acting outside of Ethan Hawke, and I don't even think Ethan Hawke was that great in this movie, but the, the acting outside of Ethan Hawke is just straight up bad in this movie. For the most part, I didn't hate uh, Lena Headey's performance uh, as his wife. She doesn't do anything great. Like, she's awesome in Game of Thrones. Like, she's a fantastic actress. But, like you said, like, Ethan Hawke isn't particularly great in this. She's okay. The kids are downright insufferable. It, it's weird to me that... I think it's a case the, of bad writing more than bad The daughter is... In her schoolgirl outfit all night. It's like, why didn't she change out of this after school like every other girl would? Yeah, I I don't know. It's it felt like an excuse to have her in a short plaid skirt. Yeah, no, it it definitely was a schlock thing. Yeah, sure. well, it kind of a kind of a it. To me, it feels kind of fetishistic, like schoolgirl fetishy. Yeah, uh, which adds to the schlock yeah. of the movie. But the thing is, the movie takes itself, at least this first one, takes itself too seriously to get too much into schlock territory. Yeah, I, I agree. Think the it doesn't it it tries to ride the line, I think, between schlock and seriousness, and it does both pretty poorly i think this movie takes itself the most seriously out of the three i would yes. say which is its biggest problem i think is well apparently james demonico always wanted to do this movie on a larger scale it was solely production constraints that required him to make it focus on one family because they had 19 days to shoot and a $2.7 million budget. And he always said after this one that if he ever made another Purge movie, that his goal was to make it more like Escape from New York, which he referenced specifically. Which is weird, because I don't think he does a good job of that in the other two that he did. I can see the inspiration, He He, sure, he does though, expand the actually. scale, but... I can totally see that inspiration seep in a little bit. Apparently his main influence for the Purgers in this movie, too, was the Manson family. Uh... He's He was trying to do a Charlie Manson thing. And I see it especially... Well, like, 
the with o- how giddy they are. And oh like- my god, it's ridiculous. They seem to be drugged up as fuck. The girls are wearing these like white lace nightgown style dresses and they're like skipping around the house twirling machetes. And it's really fucking frustrating because especially once the, the action starts, like there's gunshots, like they're shooting at each other and then it'll cut to like two of the other killers and one of the girls is like getting a piggyback ride from one of the guys and like pointing at the photographs on the wall and laughing and it's like they absolutely would have heard those gunshots and I don't think they would have been so blasé about the whole thing yeah it it's it's weird and obnoxious there are only a couple of scenes in this movie that work for me but overall their context in the entire movie makes it all not work one of the only moments that i think is actually somewhat effective is before the killers break into the house and they've captured the homeless guy the the power's been cut so the whole house is dark and they capture him and i some one of them shot him gut shot him i think right yeah. And they're trying to duct tape him to a chair and he's obviously fighting back and Ethan Hawke tells his wife, grab the letter opener and press it into his wound. And she's like, what the fuck? He's like, just fucking do it. And we have this whole scene where they're basically like torturing this guy and then they stop and they're like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, how did we let it get to this point? And it's like, well, we're just trying to save our family, but we're becoming monstrous as a result of it because we're putting our lives above this one poor guy. And in that moment, you start to get a little bit of character development. And it's like, it's starting to go in the right direction. But then they're like, all right, we're just going to fight. And then the killers come in and it just turns into a slasher movie. Yeah, I I don't even think that scene worked for me, honestly. I, I like the concept of it, but the execution, again, was not good. I think it was a little too easy for the wife to stick the letter opener in him. She didn't quite hesitate enough. Well, I think she probably just didn't think about what she was doing so much until after the fact and the hysteria of the moment. I think that it set itself up to work well, but the fact that they abandon that so quickly thereafter because, oh, now it's time for action, that yeah, well, it, that's it just thing makes, too, it, you it, know, makes they, it pointless. They, you know? they don't talk about that duality at all in the movie, and that's the only time it really comes up, and it's done so quickly that it it's brushed aside, really. Right, and exactly. that's the problem, you know? Well, cause, and that is the problem, because in that scene, I start to care about the characters a little bit, because I haven't prior to that moment, but then I stop caring almost immediately afterwards, because they don't develop that theme at all, which I think in something like this, you have to, you absolutely have to, because... 
the idea is like, oh, these people don't purge because they don't feel the need to because they're part of higher society and they're protected and they're not sadists. So I feel like there should be that exploration of like what separates us from the animals that are outside killing people. But they only sort of touch on that again at the end in a way that is equally frustrating. Yeah, I I thought the ending was very badly done. Well, yeah, at that point, it, it feels too late. So Ethan Hawke gets killed, and right when the rest of them are about to die... All of their neighbors show up and kill the rest of the of the purgers. Then uh, say, "Oh, like, oh, you made so much money off of us, and we want to purge. So you're ours. We didn't save you. We just saved you for us." And then the homeless guy shows up again and pulls a gun on all of them, and he's like, do you want me to kill them? And Lena Headey's just like, no, there's not going to be any more killing tonight. So they all just sit in the living room with these people at gunpoint until the purge is over, and then they all just get to go home. And it's like, at that point... Just fucking kill them. Like, what are you going to do after that? You know, are you just going to go about your your day to day life? You're not changing knowing the that beliefs all... of your neighbors. Right. Either, you know? what, they're just going to come back and try to kill you again the next year. And how are you going to interact with your neighbors on a day to day basis, knowing that they were fully prepared to kill you? It it. it comes across as very self-righteous at the end and undeservedly self-righteous yeah there's no there's no good development of characters to warrant that and the homeless guy just wanders off and lena Hetty's like are you gonna be okay he's like yeah i'll be fine and it's like realistically no no he's not he has a bullet in his gut he's homeless what's he gonna do go to a hospital how's he gonna pay for that he's not going to yeah realistically was- he's gonna go crawl under a bridge and die she somewhere was super okay just letting him go i know she should have she should have been like get in the car i'm gonna drive you to the hospital and you helped save my family i'm gonna pay to make sure that you're gonna be okay yeah but instead he just wanders off yeah it's like that would that would be how you would really develop the uh, that idea of altruism like we're different from the people who purge We were going to send you out to your death. Instead, we fought for you. We sacrificed for you. You helped save us. Now we're going to take care of you and make sure that you're okay. That would be a very easy way to sort of develop on that a little bit. It would not require that much extra, just a couple of lines of dialogue, and they can't even do that. I feel like that's something that James DeMonico probably didn't even think about because this whole idea is so half-baked to begin with. Well, yeah, that's the thing, too. I I don't know if... James DeMonico really has a an idea of altruism or empathy in these movies. He kind of goes about those concepts half half baked in these movies. Totally surface level. Yeah, totally surface level. His ideology is very clear throughout these movies in a way, even though the the themes and commentary of the films are 
very half-baked. I think his ideologies of, you know, everyone just being inherently super violent and unempathetic just comes through and it's very nihilistic in a way. Well, what's what's so dumb about it too is it's like he's trying to comment on uh the inhumanity of like the super wealthy and like the government and how profits overrule basic uh human altruism and that like the the rich people are the villains but at the same time in these movies the vast majority of the violence that we see throughout the film is committed by thuggish characters you know poor people gangsters shit like that it's like especially in the second and third especially one. in the second and third one not so much in this one because the killers are are you know young ivy league yuppies it's but like that's only because those are the only characters purging mm-hmm. that we see right i feel like james demonico thinks that he's making a really poignant statement with these movies and he's too dumb to realize how stupid his ideas are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I think he doesn't take the time or effort to develop any of the ideas in this movie. There's so they- too much going on for him to develop anything. It's like these movies feel like they're written and directed by like an ADD 13-year-old. Yeah, I I think so. There's no focus. Well, and the problem is, that's okay. That's okay if you're going schlocky. Yeah. If you're going schlocky and fun, I can can give it a pass, you know? Don't take yourself super seriously. But the point is to take yourself seriously with these movies, which is the opposite of what it should be. When the concept is inherently ridiculous, then you should make it as ridiculous as possible. I will say that the second and third one do a better job of that than the first one. Yeah. But the first one takes itself the most seriously of the three, and that's the biggest problem ultimately with it, is that it has a problem coming to terms with the fact that it's a schlocky movie that's trying to be serious. What I'll, what I'll counter with is I agree that the second and the third do a little bit better job of schlock, but it doesn't feel like schlock is James DeMonico's intention in those either. Almost entirely anything in those movies that's remotely fun is due to the art design. I feel like the schlockiness in the later two comes almost entirely from the art department. I disagree, but we'll get into that. Okay. Should um, we rate this yes, first one let's and move just on? Get on with this. I'll start. I this movie was a chore to watch. I don't like it. I didn't want, like it the first time I saw it. It has a cool concept, I think. I I'll give it that, you know, but it's wasted potential. It's uh, very sloppily done. It's not schlocky enough. It doesn't develop its ideas or commentary enough to be anything beyond half-baked ideas and incoherent 
you know, satire and commentary. It's very limp-wristed in its execution of its themes, and it just devolves into slasher territory, but it's not even fun slasher territory. It doesn't do anything original or interesting with the genre. It doesn't do anything interesting or original with the home invasion genre. It's just a waste of time. I would not recommend it. Uh, one star out of five. One pod out of five. Um. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I I think that as a slasher film, it's very uninspired. Uh, but the slasher stuff is, I think, competent if not interesting the the problem comes from uh the the tone not really corresponding with its premise it takes something that has not been done before and turns it into something that we've all seen a million times and that's its biggest sin it's more boring than anything else i don't think it's an awful movie I just don't find it interesting or fun to watch. I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. Wow. Um, just because it, it does what it does okay, I guess. Not not in a way that's any fun. And it should be fun. Uh, so that'll give The Purge an average rating of 1.8 pods out of five uh, yeah, let's move on to the Purge Anarchy. So, the Purge Anarchy came out in, what, 2015, I think? Something like um, that. Um, a couple years after the first one, and this time, James DeMonaco got his wish and got a budget to do this on a much larger scale, and we get to see what the purge looks like not in just a single neighborhood but in the entire city of los angeles and I, the thing i love about the series is how fucked up the timeline is oh my can god can we talk about this for one second yeah i was no this? i i wanted to talk about that too i was gonna wait until we finished talking about all three <laughs> but yeah okay we can get into the timeline on this one I don't understand the timeline of the Purge universe, and I don't think James DeMonaco does so either. So, the first movie is set in 2022? Yes. And the Purge has been going on for, like, a little while. For several years yeah, now. Several the first years. one opens with a montage of uh, security camera footage from across the country. Yeah, and it's all time-coded as, like, 2017, it goes, 2016, it goes, 2018. I think the first ones we see come from 2017, and then it goes up from that. So, according to the first one, at least, The Purge was happening at least in 2017. We don't know if it was before, but we know that. So... By the time of the first movie, The Purge has been happening for at least five years. And when what is the timeline for the second one? Does the it, second one is set in like... Does it give a year? I don't even fucking remember. I want to say the second one is set in like 2018 or something like is that. Is it? 
I I had a hard time caring enough to remember. All I remember is the timeline is very fucked up. They were talking about the the purge going on for like decades, but in the first one it was like a decade. Well, one of the things that I do like about the basic premise of the first one is that it's set in a time when the purge has already been going on for some years, and it establishes this sort of nebulous concept of the new founding fathers of America. They're only ever mentioned, but never explained. At the end of the emergency broadcast, it always says, blessed be the new founding fathers, blessed be America, a nation reborn. And when people are purging, they'll like chant that like it's a prayer almost so it's got this kind of like weird culty vibe and we don't know anything about the new founding fathers at that point and that is somewhat expanded upon in the the later two but not in an interesting way in a in a schlocky way in a properly schlocky way, I think. Okay. Uh, Especially in the third one when they're just straight up a cult. Yes. Uh, I To go back to the timeline, I looked it up. Anarchy takes place in 2023, so a year after the first one. Okay. This one sets up three storylines that end up coming together about a third of the way through the film. We've got uh, this woman and her daughter and her elderly father who are, you know, lower income, sort of live in the projects, trying to take care of themselves during the purge. Then you've got this hipster white married couple whose car gets tampered with by a weird gang and they break down on the highway right before the purge starts so they're trying to get somewhere safe and then you've got this edgelord max Payne style snake plissken snake plissken character uh who is going out on purge night to track down and kill the drunk driver who killed his son so we've got these three storylines going on at once, and then they all come together. My my biggest problem with it is I think it's one too many storylines. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I think three is a pretty good amount. I think four would have been too much, but I think each of the three storylines are unique enough to be interesting. I think they could have cut the hipster couple i like that concept i I like the setup i like the setup of them like going home and while they're at the store they see these like weird creepy masked gang like hanging around and one of them waves at them and then we see that they're following them when the car breaks down i like that setup but as soon as they join up with the rest of the group they become useless and I don't care about them anymore. Whereas the Snake Plissken Max Payne guy 
you know, he's at least got some motivation. He's kind of the central uh, protagonist of this movie. It all kind of revolves around him. And then when you have the the lower income family who have to flee their house because it's broken into by like military who are going in to purge the entire building, then that stuff all works well too. And I think you could have done the setup of the other couple with... Well, the thing is, I think the the setup for the hipster couple is the most developed of the three. Right. And that's why I think it works in the film, because it's the only setup that really is developed well. Well, I think, I think you could have done it this way and unclutter it and make it be even better. Get rid of them completely. Have the woman's daughter be out because she's a she's a teenager. She, I can't tell how old she is, but she's like 18 or something. Have her be out doing stuff. She's the one whose car gets tampered with. She breaks down on the highway. She's out there by herself. Her mom has to flee when the government comes into their building and she gets a call from the daughter. Oh, I have to go save my daughter. She meets up with Max Plissken and then you have your core group of characters. At a certain point, the white couple becomes just kind of extra bodies, I feel like. I I don't care about them as characters. They're totally uninteresting. I mean, the husband is definitely their whole. Their the, whole. The, the arc. wife plays a little bit of a an interest with the Snake Plissken character a little bit for a little bit during it. Before. In what way does she even interact with him all that much? Because the biggest interaction is with the daughter of the other woman who is always like, why are you out purging? Like, we got forced out. Like, why would you save us, but you're still going to go kill somebody? She has all the interaction with yeah, them. I They have all the interaction true. with them. The white couple doesn't do anything. Their whole storyline is they're separating, and then over the course of fighting for their lives, they fall in love with each other again, but then the husband just gets killed. So yeah. the whole thing comes to nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think having the third storyline, just because it's well-developed in the beginning... It's set up well. Yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. say it's well-developed. It's set up really well. In I would say it's set up is the most interesting. I will agree with you. Yeah, I, I just think, don't care about the characters that it's happening to. I think you could do that same setup using the other characters and then have it overall be less less of a clusterfuck because it does feel like a little bit of a clusterfuck. It, they really, to me, feel like characters who are there so they can have a larger group running around trying to survive. Yeah, it's also an initial push for safety in the core group. I mean... Yes, you have a little bit of that with the the poor folk, but you don't have that with the Snake Plissken character. You know, he's out for vengeance. Right, but he comes into the mix because he sees 
the the other woman and her daughter being dragged out of their building by these government flunkies and decides to stop and save them for some reason that's never really developed too much when asked he's just like you were putting up a hell of a fight and you reminded me of someone and that's it so it's like you know whatever we got to get our characters together that's fine I, I feel like it would have been better streamlined if they had had fewer characters because then you leave more room for development. Do you really want development in these characters in this movie, though? It's it's No. Yeah, that's the thing. You want a fun, schlocky time. And I think this movie has some problems in its execution of that. But I think... Out of the three, it's, it's the best of the three. It's the for best sure. to deliver on the sure. hockey premises. I I agree. I agree. And I think you know, while I kind of agree that you know the well set up hipster couple is kind of wasted in the rest of the movie, it does kind of, as you admitted yourself, add extra bodies to add to the the chaos of later on. I mean, I suppose I. I just don't care about any of those characters. Not like I really care about any of the characters, but I definitely care about them the least. They always seem to just sort of be tagging along, and honestly, they kind of annoy me. They annoy me the most out of all of them. But let's talk about the government's involvement in The Purge, because that is something that this film really sets up that is something that's carried on throughout yeah, the rest of the franchise. Yeah, and it's one of the more interesting expansions on the initial idea of the purge is that, you know, in the the first few purges there wasn't enough violent crime, so they were supplemented by military forces that were coming in to directly kill the homeless and the needy. Right. There we see that they they're sending out troops in these big unmarked 18-wheelers and they're going to specific housing projects and purging entire buildings. That I agree is one of the more interesting concepts where it does start to touch on the idea of oh, maybe the American population is not as horribly violent as, you know, as is thought. So the evil government has to step in and make things work the the way they want them to for the greater good or whatever. The The first one sets up this ridiculous statistic that since the introduction of the purge, violent crime is like is at like one percent or something yeah. like that, which seems absurd absolutely ridiculous how many people are apparently purging absolutely well the the very idea that all it would take is one night to get all of your murderous instinct out and then just be cool until the same time the next year is absurd 
I feel like people would go out, get a taste for violence on the purge, the and then they would well, right. I feel like I feel like the purge would actually have the opposite effect and would increase violent crime in America. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it would give people a taste for it. And it's like Sort of how I touched on at the end of the first purge, like, how are they going to go on living with their neighbors? Like, if you know your friends and family are out killing people or someone you know tries to kill you and they don't, like, how are you going to cope with that in your normal non-purging daily life? It doesn't make any fucking sense. No, it doesn't. So I like the idea that the government sort of just has to go out and kill people to make the uh, the appearance of the purge being successful. I think that's interesting, but ultimately I think that that's not super well explored either. No, well, they, they add a lot of expansions to the initial idea of the Purge that I think are interesting and cool ideas in themselves, but none of them are very fully developed. In well, no, movie. because still the, the majority of the movie is our protagonists dodging crazy people on the street. Well, yeah, that's the thing, because you have, like... The government coming in and killing poor people, or you have, you know, the anti-purge Black Panther group, you know, yeah, headed by uh, Omar from The Wire. <laughs> Omar's a coming. Uh, yeah, um, Lakeith Stanfield is part of that too. Yeah, I totally forgot that he was in this movie. Yeah. He's he's really underused. I think. oh yeah definitely he's, he's the the leader of the the gang that disables the the couple's car who just turns out to be part of that same group that like omar is heading right like i don't think so no i don't think they come in at the end i i think they're their own separate thing they're our characters get picked up by them at some point and they're, they ask, like, well, why don't you just go ahead and kill us? And he's like, oh, we're not purging. We're just picking people up and taking them to this place. We just need money. So they're basically just, like, kidnappers for hire, which I also think is a cool idea that the rich, yuppie white people are paying gangs to go out and bring them people that they can kill so they don't have to be out in the streets putting their own lives at risk. That's interesting as well. Um, Another thing that I wish was more fully developed is in this movie, we see that there are people from other countries who come into America for the purge just so they can kill and then they go back to their was countries. That this one or the third one? That was in this one. Okay. Because remember, uh, those were the ones who were all dressed up uh, in... Uh... Or wait, was that in the I third I think that one? was in the third one. <sighs> yeah. The... They, these fucking, they blend Two together, honestly. Two or three honestly. especially blend together a lot. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get, we'll get back to that because I don't want to jump ahead to three. Well, they also have a couple of very stupid throwaway subplots, just like in the first one. Like we see that the the elderly father of the of the uh, the waitress lady, 
he goes out on his own on purge night because he's sick and he's dying. So he answers an ad to go be killed by some rich white family and they'll give the money to his family or whatever. And we get that for like five minutes and then it's once again never mentioned yeah. throughout the rest of that the movie. That was really bizarre. Totally unnecessary, uh, except to see, like, oh, the rich don't want to go out in the streets with the rest of the crazy people. They just want to purge at home. So they use their money to to buy people to purge, basically. Was the, uh, the, the pill-popping lady in this one or three? The pill popping lady. They go to the the house to get the car. Okay, yes, that's in this one. Yeah, that's what I thought. They go to this uh, lady's house to pick up a car so they could drive. So the so Max they, Pliskin. Yeah, Max Pliskin can get his vengeance. And they get to the house, and she reveals, "Oh, hey, they didn't actually have a car." I was just using you to get us to a safe place. Yeah, um, but the the lady whose apartment it is is like, "Hey, we should party because it's the purge night." Her her whole family is there for some reason. Her parents, her sister, her brother in law, they're all just hanging out together getting drunk on purge night and eating a bunch of paella or something. Yeah, she's popping a bunch of pills too. Well, yeah, and then uh, she ends up getting shot by her sister because she's flirting with her bl- her brother in law or something. And so all that does is serve as a reason for our main characters to be back on the street for them to leave the place that they had no reason to even be if there wasn't a car well the only reason was because our non uh max pliskin characters needed to be off the streets so they lied about having access to a car so they could get to a safe place but in terms of plot necessity there was no reason for them to be there. Yeah, it be- seems like a waste of time, honestly. Well, right, because we have Total that scene, filler. and then they end up back on the street with no car, and then they get picked up by Lakeith Stanfield and taken to uh, like a, a wealthy people's auction where they auction people off to be hunted in like this warehouse. In, like this paintball field. Yes, it looks like people. a paintball arena, except <laughs> without... Not the big inflatable barricades. With, with shrubbery. But with shrubbery of, uh, and fountains and statues and stuff. And <laughs> what I found a very, very funny touch was that the the rich people who are hunting them are dressed in, like, fox hunting gear. Yeah. With, like, the, the high boots and, like, the blazers yeah, and stuff yeah. and, like, the little fox hunters hats and shit like that. And night vision goggles. Yeah. The night vision goggles were, like, the perfect touch for it. Honestly, once they get picked up by Lakeith Stanfield, from there until 
close to the end is probably the most fun part of yeah, the Yeah, definitely. It's I, the schlockiest, for it's, sure. It's a ton of fun, and I think it's the... The the best part of the whole series, honestly. Yeah, I think I would agree. Uh, I think uh, having it it's a pretty low bar, kind though. of a class battle directly is a great thematic bit for the the series too, because you touch on that through the whole series of it's kind of a class thing, you know, rich versus poor. But this, it's the most direct and the most in your face about it while still being really fun you know it's still kind of essentially just a a purge paintball match well yeah and to to have all of these old white sociopaths and like their formal wear at like a gala event like auctioning off these poor people that have been pulled off the streets so they can go change into their fox hunting outfits and put on night vision goggles and run around a warehouse is really funny yeah (laughs) and then to have omar and his resistance group come in at the end and, and slaughter them all is also... It just feels so good. It feels so rewarding yeah. to see that happen. And that's what you want out of these movies. You know, you want you want the horror, but at the same time, you want that release. You want that release of those rich fucks getting their just desserts. And I don't think you You really... want that purging. Yeah, well, I don't feel like you get the right purging in any other movie. You don't get that... No, that, I that, agree. That true response to violent criminals in the same way in any of the other movies. I think you almost get it in the third movie, um, which we'll get into with the cult stuff, but it's more muddled than it is in this movie. I feel like it's at its most raw... And uncut in this movie, and that's why it works the best. Yeah, except they once again kind of throw it out the window after that when they escape, and the lady who was, they run into the lady who was like auctioning people off, and they have the perfect opportunity to kill her, and then they don't. But then Snake Plissken still goes on his quest for revenge and the the mother and daughter the whole time are like no you gotta be better than them don't turn into them don't purge and it's like well fuck at this point he's killed so many people yeah he's been just so at odds with the he's just been killing people throughout the night and they killed all of these other rich people why didn't they kill this this one woman when they had the chance you know she was literally auctioning people off to be murdered like why did they choose that moment to be self-righteous and then still go after the guy who killed snake Plissken's son and then to end it with them going to his house and him putting a gun to the dude's head and then deciding to not kill him and then getting shot by uh, a fucking Tommy Lee Jones looking military motherfucker. It doesn't stick the fucking landing. With with the Tommy Lee Jones-esque character just coming out unannounced out of the blue feels really odd. 
Yeah. Well, we saw we saw him in the back of one of the trucks before, like mowing people down with like a Gatling gun. And then we know that they're hunting Snake Plissken down, but we totally forget about him because he's absent from like the entire last third of the movie. And then he just shows up out of the blue at the end and get shot by the guy that Snake Plissken decided to not kill. And then he's about to be shot by the soldiers, and then the alarm goes off signaling the end of the purge, and then that's it? It's just over? It's like... Also, that's a big thing I have with the concept of the purge. What's to say, like, someone's going to not shoot you after the purge ends and just say they shot you right. during the purge. Like there's, there would almost certainly be a grace period of a couple of hours where you could still get your killing in and be like, Oh yeah, I did it during the purge. Like the, the beginning and end time of the purge is I feel like pretty arbitrary. Also not affected by time zones. Oh yeah. That's another <laughs> thing. Like, it's so confusing because the the second one, I don't know where the first one takes place. We can assume California. It looks very California-y. The second one is in Los Angeles, but the third one is in D.C. And in all three of the movies, The Purge starts at 7 p.m. and ends at 7 a.m., and we're supposed to believe that it happens simultaneously across the country, but time zones. Yeah. I really don't take that into account at all. No, I I feel like it's just totally overlooked, much like the timeline of the franchise in general. Um, should we rate this one and yeah, move on? Yeah, we might as well move on. I don't have much more to say about this one. You can start this one. Um, I do think this is the best of the three. It's the one that frustrates me the least. It still has a lot of really stupid stuff in it, but at least it's somewhat schlocky and fun in the last act. It seems to be trying to develop its overall concept a little bit more than the first one. I think it could still be way more fun and way schlockier and way goofier and the fact that all the characters are pretty obnoxious and uninteresting is definitely to its detriment but you know overall it's it's not a terrible movie it's somewhat entertaining at least i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five i think sure um that's totally fair I think the first time I saw this movie, I actually gave it a three and a half as well. Um, this time, though, I I do think it's the most fun of the three. And I do think there's a lot of good elements of this movie. I think it's the most fun it it has been in any of the series. I think while underutilized, I think the... Omar from the Wire led anti purge Black Panther coalition is the best set of characters in any of the movies, and it's kind of underutilized, even totally in totally underutilized. Movie. Um, I think conceptually, there's a lot of cool ideas that are in this movie between people getting trapped on the road with. Uh, right before the purge to guys going out for vengeance 
to the the government going to kill poor people and housing projects. It's a lot of cool concepts. Unfortunately, they're not, for the most part, executed super competently or with much thought. Uh, I think this movie works because it's the schlockiest of the three, though. Um, ultimately, I'd give this a three out of five. It's worth checking out. Um, if you're going to watch any of the three, watch this one. I can't speak on the new one yet, but that'll come soon. All right. So for The Purge Anarchy, that's an average rating of 3.3 out of five pods. And uh, all right, let's close out with The Purge Election Year, um, which is a f- fucking mess <laughs> oh my god uh well like the purge anarchy i think it carries over a lot of the fun production design and i think it accentuates actually i think it goes even more in schlockier territory in terms of aesthetics and production design and even direction i think in a lot of ways Especially with art design, though. I think, you know, you have characters driving VW bugs covered in Christmas lights while in, like, pig costumes. And, and like, ballerina tutus blasting party in the USA. (laughs) It's just over-the-top camp, and I'm here for it, honestly. So I think this movie, it goes in very campy directions. You know, you have this presidential election going on where one candidate wants to put an end to the purge, and the other is like, the purge is a religious experience. We can't end it. Yeah, it's like two totally opposite ends of the spectrum, and this one did come out during this came out in the summer of 2016 so it was actual election year and i feel like it was trying to capitalize on that a lot because on one hand you have the far right wing candidate who's a member of the new founding fathers and he's like a minister and like you said uh these people look at the purge as like a religious experience uh very culty and then you have a blonde liberal female candidate opposing who wants to put an end to the purge because 18 years prior, her entire family was slaughtered during the purge. Yeah. And that's that's also where the timeline goes completely off the rails because Snake Plissken is in this movie again. He has cleaned up his act and he's now the head of her security staff trying to protect her. But we know that anarchy took place in 2023 and he does not appear much older. He says that his son died some years ago in this one, but assuming that for argument's sake, 
the very first purge took place in 2017, and I guess we'll see when it actually took place when we go to see the new movie. Um, that would put 18 years after that, if that's when her family was killed, then this would be set in what I'm bad at math 2035, which would be 12 years after the events of anarchy, which seems like a stretch. So they just throw the entire timeline out the window. Not like there was one to begin with. These movies aren't really trying to be that intelligent. (laughs) Obviously. The uh, presidential candidate who's anti-purge is played by... uh, She was in Lost as... I want to say her name in Lost was Elizabeth. That might be wrong, though. It's been a long time. But I remember her from Lost. She was a pretty good character in Lost. Um, but I think she does an okay job in this movie. She's kind of underutilized, and it's weird because she's obviously, like, a Hillary Clinton stand-in. Her character is really dumb, honestly, in my opinion. She insists that, well, uh, to set up, in a very, very obvious ploy to have her killed, the new founding fathers just issue a a new law or whatever that government officials are no longer exempt from the purge, like was established in the first two. Which, first of all, that's not how laws are passed. Yeah, why even have presidents if you can just have dudes that are just changing laws on the fly? Because they're the new founding fathers or whatever. Uh, So first of all, that's dumb. Second of all, nobody in America would be under any pretenses of why that was any false pretenses i should say of why they were doing that it's a very open plain-faced ploy to make sure that the competition is murdered and the reason her character is dumb as fucking dirt is because she insists that if she spends purge night hiding in a bunker to keep herself safe, she'll lose votes from the general American populace because it'll make her seem weak. No, she's the only person who is in a position to put an end to this. Anybody who wants to end the purge or is in support of ending the purge would totally understand why she would go to any lengths to keep herself safe because she's the only one capable of bringing about change. But no, she's like, I'm going to ride out the purge in my house just like all other Americans. I want to seem like a rich entitled person right i just want to seem like like, "Ah, you're trying to protect these people right you you don't want to put yourself needlessly at risk in order to seem like a more down-to-earth person like you got to be about enacting the change you got to be the change yeah it's already very obvious that they just added that rule to kill her specifically exactly 
And so fucking Snake Plissken tries to make her house as safe as possible, but of course that shit ends up going out the window because other members of his security staff are paid off by the new founding fathers to let a SWAT team of actual Nazis into the house to kill her. See, I think that's so campy and over the top that it becomes kind of fun. Because what better group of guys are you going to be more rooting to kill than fucking Nazis? Well, of course, Nazis are always the perfect villains because nobody sides with the Nazis, except other Nazis, which are unfortunately rampant in this country right now. But it's so fucking over the top. Like, they're like legitimate mercenaries with they have a fucking helicopter like how did these nazis get a hold of all of this high-grade military gear and a fucking helicopter and shit and the the lead nazi i feel like he's so over nazified he has so many like swastika face tattoos and like ss tattoos and confederate flag patches it's absolutely fucking absurd uh, it it's so, he's like the most nazi so nazi the but it works because the most Nazi Nazis are LARPing anyways. So. That's true. He's the Naziest Nazi since Hitler. Um, yeah, I thought that was fun. I thought having Nazis as villains hired by the current government unintentionally says something about the government. <laughs> well, like, the weird thing about this, too, is... This happened, this movie was made just prior to the Trump presidency. Well, and it was made before Trump was even the primary winner. Well, right, yeah, it came out during the summer, but it would have been made probably close to a year before that. Mm-hmm. So, like, the 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 New Founding Fathers president or uh, candidate is not, like, overly Trumpy, Uh the Charlie Roan character is very Hillary y though. But it's weird that prior to all of the fucking Nazis coming out of the woodwork in the wake of Trump's presidency, this movie basically had the Nazis coming out of the woodwork. It almost it almost feels like prescient in a way. Yeah. Yeah, well and that's why it kind of works in a way as commentary. Uh-uh. Um Kind of, I, even though it's still half-baked. Calling it commentary, I feel like, would be a stretch, but it seems to be trying to get at something. Yeah, well... I don't think it really knows what it's trying to get at, though, is the thing. Yeah, well, it doesn't take a too firm of a position on anything where it can become too coherent. Um, but I think it that part works... We should get into the uh, the racist off-brand Denzel character oh, a little God. bit. Oh, God, yeah, that's weird as shit. The, the, similarly to Anarchy, this one brings in multiple characters who all end up meeting up and working together. We've got these characters, this guy who, uh, off-brand Denzel, who owns a deli, the Mexican kid who works for him 
and then Georgina from Get Out who hangs out there and who used to be like a cage fighter or something. Does it ever specify what she was? Cause they, the, the girl who tries to steal from the deli is like, Oh, you're such and such. You were such a badass when you were fighting or whatever. I think it was previous purges. She was a killer. She killed several people. Yeah. I see. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, at all. she killed several people during previous purges, but she had changed her ways. Yeah, now she drives and... a, a a triage ambulance to uh, pick people up off the street during the purge and take them to like uh, an unofficial, like underground medical uh, facility or whatever. Yeah, well, and that's why I think the. The one tutued girl was like all like I want to be like you and stuff is because she wanted to kill. Okay, see, like, I the woman in the purge that totally went over my head. I thought she was like a like a cage fighter or something. And no, I yeah that that's something that I think it does a very bad job of making clear because I've seen this movie more than once. Well, unfortunately. I, I think it works because you know she has kind of a guilt complex about all the murder she has done and to kind of I guess it makes redeem sense. herself tries to be someone who saves people during the purge. And I think there's a little bit of character development within that backstory. Yeah, I think sure. It's interesting. I well now that you've explained that, yeah, I agree to an extent, but I think that the movie does a really bad job of making it clear because, like I said, I've seen this movie twice now, and you just had to explain that to me. It's not something that I picked up from watching the movie either time, and I think well, that's they, to they its detriment. Well, they call her Madam Death. Well, they, they call her Pequeña Muerte, the Little Death, but that, like... A nickname like that can be fucking anything. They call Brock Lesnar the Beast, you know. Yeah, like I she mean, could she could be a fucking wrestler for all the yeah, movie makes clear. Yeah. That's we're, why I thought she was a cage about a movie that's focused on killing. Yeah, though. they're yeah. not gonna have stuff too outside of that. No, I, I suppose um, so. But but the uh, going back to off brand Denzel, his uh, insurance rate on. The convenience store, the bodega place that he has skyrockets right before the purge because why not? You right, know? because they need a reason for the characters to be involved yeah, in the Yeah, because insurance companies fucking suck. Yep. Um, but he decides instead of paying it, you know, he's gonna pull a Rodney King Chinatown thing. And just sit on top of his bodega with a with a hunting rifle, ready to shoot any looters that come near his store. Right, which I found kind of weird to do. Like, I mean, it it is for reasons. They need their characters to be involved in the purge, so they did that. Well, it's like you don't mention looting at all during the rest of your films right exclusively violent exclusively murder and suddenly we're shifting the focus to looting which i mean i'm welcoming them shifting that focus but the thing is they don't even do it It, well yeah and also because it implies that okay they have purge insurance that makes sense you know but 
does that imply that every year prior to this, his insurance has just covered the inevitable damage to his deli? That his place always gets looted and trashed, and then the insurance just takes care of it? Does he have to repair his deli every year? Are there a fucking herd of elephants running around upstairs? Jesus goddamn Christ. Um, But yeah, like, you'd think this would be a national problem if all these stores were being looted enough to have insurance. But, you know, I guess it makes sense to have the off chance of your store being the one that's looted, being covered. But the fact that the rates specifically increase here is a weird, you know... The day the day of the purge. Yeah, is is a very convenient way of getting him involved in the storyline. Yeah, so our Hillary character and Snake Plissken end up at the deli because they're out running around trying to escape from the Nazis, and so that brings all of our characters together, and then what are they trying? They're trying to well, get... Well, and then the Tutu girl comes in with the... Uh... With her Christmas light cards. Yeah. They're breaking into the convenience store to kill all of them. But uh, Georgina, the little death, drives and plows through the the tutued ladies. With her ambulance. Which I thought was very fun. That and also funny. the fact that the uh, the the furry dressed up as a pig got <laughs> shotgunned immediately after that. I thought that was really fun, too. And, okay, so what happens after that? They go to the the underground medical facility, right, which is also the base of the resistance in D.C. or something like that. Yeah. And they discover that the resistance has a plot to assassinate the uh, new founding father's presidential candidate at his midnight purge mass or whatever. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. It's legal now. Right, 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 right. So then, of course, Hillary is all like, no, I want to win in the polls. I don't want you to kill him because then you're no better than they are that same tired old shit that we've gotten from the last two movies uh just rehashed like if your opposition was killed good luck for whoever replaces them right getting as much support well like and honestly fuck it the purges like government officials are not safe from the purge anymore like murder's legal for that night. You want to win in the I mean, you want to win. You want to. I mean, I guess you know you don't want them to become martyrs. Yeah, which is what they say. But who who fucking cares if you get into office because your opponent was legally killed during the night where it's legal to kill people? Then you're basically a shoe in. Then you can end the purge. Who gives a shit? It's a fucking means to an end. Well, yes, but you don't want the purge to be reenacted the second you leave office. I guess. But what's to stop that from happening anyway, even if she does win in the poll? Like, even if she wins officially in the polls, you know? So the, the final major set piece 
for this movie is at the the purge mass with all the top government officials and Hillary gets captured by the Nazis and taken there so she can be uh, a, a purge sacrifice. Yeah, we talked with the last movie about how the new founding fathers was almost a cult-like thing. And that's taken to an extreme in this movie where they are basically a literal cult. Yeah, the the fucking president, the New Founding Fathers president, looks like Ron Paul. And the minister, who's the presidential candidate, looks like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> and honestly, that made this watch much more entertaining than the last one because we were just spending the entire movie just delivering his lines in Jordan Peterson's <laughs> Kermit the Frog voice and that that saved the the enjoyment for me that yeah. that made it entertaining Honestly, that was probably the most rewarding part of the <laughs> by far you must purge yourself of all of your sins <laughs> well uh the uh the head priest looked like skeletor oh yeah 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 uh like overtly skeletory it's like just the most <laughs> gaunt looking motherfucker right before she's about to be killed the resistance shows up and kills all the new founding fathers except for the the presidential candidate hillary talks them into not killing him and yeah, he's they like don't kill jordan peterson or skeletor right don't they? No, they kill Skeletor because no, he because he comes back. Well, right. No, Skeletor runs off and then he comes back and shoots uh, Denzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, Denzel shoots him. Yeah. So Skeletor does end up being killed, but they don't kill Jordan Peterson, even though they've already killed the rest of the government officials. They've murdered the rest of the new founding fathers. Jordan Peterson is all that's left. So at that point, why not just go ahead and fucking finish the job? Like why once again, get on your high horse and not kill somebody who needs to be killed for righteous reason. Well, and like Jordan When Peter you've already killed everybody Jordan else. Jordan Peterson was ready to kill the other candidate. Right. You know, well, yeah, he was about to kill remorse. her and when they have a gun to his head, he's like, "Do it. Purge yourself. <laughs> kill me." And then they don't fucking do it and the leader of the resistance or whatever is like uh, turns to Hillary and he's like, you better fucking win that election. And she just, like, nods. Speaking of fucking Denzel, we blew past our original point for even bringing him up. The weird, somewhat racist shit. Yes, he was very racist in this movie. Uh, there's a point where he's meeting up with this gang of Crips. Well, no, they're... they're uh... They're trying to escape the Nazis and they pull their ambulance like under a bridge where like the Crips are having like 
sword fights. Yeah, just casual un- just casual sword, sword fights. fights under a bridge, and they all start coming towards the ambulance. And Denzel says something to the effect of, um, uh, "That's a lot of Negroes, and they're looking at us like we're a bucket of fried chicken." Yeah, it's just. Well, the most racist thing and also kind of the funniest when you think about how James Monaco is very white writing this. Well, right. Like, it doesn't seem racist coming out of a black dude's mouth, but then you think about, like, oh, wait. But he's reading lines written by a white dude. Yeah, and I can almost tell you for sure. In the original script, it wasn't Negroes. It was probably the N-word. Yes, absolutely. If if this was directed by Quentin Tarantino, it would be the (laughs) N-word. And then later, he's like... He's like, now I like black people, but y'all ain't gonna kill these white folks. These are our white folks. Like, like why do you need to say that? Uh, why a white dude is writing these lines? Yeah. How was this actor who played off-brand Denzel comfortable with saying these things? Well, I, mean, I would have pulled, if I were him, I would have pulled James DeMonico aside and be like, dude, come on. <laughs> well, I mean, it's obviously, he, it, it was obvious he was uncomfortable enough to change it from the N-word to Negroes. <laughs> I, at least but. we we can assume. I guess one last thing I want to touch on is something that I brought up when we were talking about anarchy because I confused the movies, and it's the people coming from other countries to purge. I think that that concept is interesting in and of itself, but once again, this movie pretty much brushes it off. We see the setup. We see like on the news them interviewing this like Afrikaner guy who you know is at the airport like coming to purge oh, america is the greatest country in the world then we see a bunch of foreigners later all dressed up as like american presidents and like american figures like one dude's dressed as uncle sam it felt very music video oh dude well that honestly the Anarchy and this one sort of have that all over them, as far as this I'm one concerned. To an extreme. This one to an extreme, <laughs> but it's definitely there in Anarchy, where you've got like all of these slow mo music video lit shots of people in like crazy masks holding guns and swords it feels like something straight out of like a Travis Scott music video or like a future music video. And from an art design standpoint, like, it looks cool, but it still sort of feels out of place in how self-serious these movies are. I think these movies get less self-serious as they go along, though. I I mean, to an extent, but I still feel like they take themselves very seriously. I feel like James DeMonico takes them very seriously in his sort of self-righteous, half-baked commentary. Uh, I don't even know, though. I feel like this movie is very silly at its core. But it's, un- maybe- but it's unintentionally silly, which is sometimes fun like with really bad schlocky b movies there's 
there's a kind of charm in the miscalculations that make them unintentionally funny and silly, but this movie doesn't it it doesn't go far enough in that direction. It it still feels grounded enough that the silliness doesn't make it as fun as I want it. I like honestly, election year is my least favorite of the three. Really, I I, I, I even like it less than uh, the first one. It's just such a convoluted mess. I the production it, design is nice. The, like the production design is the best of the three. I think it goes in the campiest directions of all three. The little death driving. You know, this hospital truck is very campy. Having them, oh, suddenly we're going to add you can kill politicians is very campy and silly. Having the whole election concept is pretty silly. Having the idea of, oh, we're going to be the liberals that stop the purge. But it feels but it feels like James DeMonico is trying to be poignant. It comes across as silly, but it feels like he's taking himself very seriously. Like with having Georgina driving the triage ambulance like after being a killer or whatever, it's like Oh, it, it's profound. She's turned her life around. She realizes that she wants to save people instead of killing them. Like, that's how that feels. Like, oh, if you want to end something as bad as the purge, you've got to take a higher ethical standpoint and you've got to do it the legal way. And don't assassinate your political opponents, even though they're trying to assassinate you. You got to take the high ground and beat them in the polls. It comes across as very dumb, but it doesn't feel dumb in a fun way. It's like trying to be serious, but miscalculating to the extent that it comes across as really surface level and unintelligent. Well, I I agree that, like, it's miscalculated, but I think the miscalculations make it fun. I think some of the intent is even there, you know? I think... The production design and artistic choices of some of the dumber decisions, you know, like blasting party in the USA or things like that are emphasizing, you know, how not serious it's being, especially compared to the first one where it's so, you know, self-serious and... These people are yuppies just trying yeah, to Yeah, I I agree with kill. that, but it lacks charm, I guess, in the silliness. With with something with like a truly bad good movie like something like Trolls 2 or The Room or something like that, it's like it's totally made completely and 100% earnestly with the intention of being a great film but it's saying- just so it's just so ineptly done and i think some of that from movies like that comes from having a low budget and the way they try to Well, a lot of times that happens out of a lack of self-awareness right you know and i feel like this movie well, is also not super self-aware there's definitely there's definitely a lack of self-awareness but it approaches itself like 
a real Hollywood production. It's got like the budget, you know, so it can really do whatever it wants. And a lot of the charm of bad good movies is that there's no money behind them. I mean, in the case of The Room, it's different, but other things, it's like there's no money behind it and the lack of a budget reveals itself in unintentionally hilarious ways. I don't think a budget necessarily decides the the charm of miscalculation. Not a hundred percent. I think you can look at movies like The Happening, for example, and those movies are terribly miscalculated, but they're fun bad movies because they're so miscalculated. I think the miscalculations and the lack of self-awareness at those calculations are what are key to making a fun, bad movie. There's and I also... think this movie hits a lot of those in the most lucky of ways, and I think that's why but it in a lot, in a lot succeeds of those... where the first one doesn't, because the first one is not very fun, uh, unlike this one, where, you know... It still has the half-baked ideas and the miscalculations, but at least it's doing enough crazy off-the-wall shit that, like, it is entertaining in a way where you're like, what crazy, stupid campy over the top shit are they gonna throw at me next i mean i guess to an extent but also like something that makes even something like the happening more entertaining even though it's a really fucking bad movie is also how terrible the acting is whereas in movies like these the acting is mediocre it's not laughably bad. You don't have any moments like in The Happening where the old lady accuses Marky Mark of trying to kill her and steal her stuff, and Marky Mark is just like, oh no, we're not gonna try to kill you! And the, the, I mean, the, de- the delivery the, is just... The Jordan Peterson character. I'm, and maybe that's just us bringing that's that us, into us. That's us, though. That's but, us. But that's, that's the thing. It has gained a new life because of that. I think yes, but it's like, better than it used to be because it has that similarity. But the the thing about that is is like, yeah, we've brought new life to it because this time we realize that he looks just like Jordan Peterson. But when we first watched this movie a couple of years ago, that was before Jordan Peterson was any sort of relevant figure, so we didn't make that connection. This time, we were able to riff on it and make it more fun with us just ripping on it. And, yeah, that yeah, that sort movies, of... Your opinion on movies can change over for sure. years as you have more context on different things, even outside of the film. I, I and agree. And that's the thing. I think this movie is funnier and more off the wall in lieu of a Trump presidency because of trying to be above it with the anti-purge candidate who refuses to kill the other candidate. And, oh, because she she went high, she's going to be the winner. I think that plays a really funny contradiction with the reality of the situation of today, I think the having the Nazis be uh, the villainous 
people that were in connection with the other candidate is really funny in that context. I think it it works more today than it did pre-election. Maybe. And, and honestly, I don't know if it would work as well if Hillary was elected because you get some of those weird juxtapositions, especially with some of the extreme of the characters i mean definitely what's going on in the world today has made certain things in this movie maybe more relevant or more interesting to talk about or riff on but i i still think it's just such a a drag of a movie I don't really find it that fun. It doesn't reach the same kind of schlocky points that the last one does. And the last one doesn't even have a lot of them. It's mostly just that third act. And yeah, they go way over the top with the with some of the production design and the art in this movie, like with all these foreigners dressed as, you know, American political figures and stuff like that, and the Christmas light cars and stuff. Like in that sense it's it's definitely definitely uh more colorful tonally, but the characters are all so lame and boring and self-serious and i i feel like james demonico is trying so hard to make a poignant political statement that just falls so flat on its face yeah we we had some elements of fun unlike the first movie i think the first movie is not fun at all i think the first movie is a drag to sit through the first movie is kind of a drag, but at least its slasher elements are somewhat competently executed. I don't if think so, though, I think they're nothing original. I think with this originality movie, and competence are not synonymous. I agree; it's totally unoriginal. If they're doing something by the numbers, why even do it at all? I know. I agree. I, I think at least with this movie. They're doing something fun with the the third act shootout at the church thing. I think that's, it's boring though. I think it's boring. That I thought happens. it was fun because how 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 much we were riffing on it, and on top of that, I think I I think it's genuinely entertaining the shootout in comparison to any event of the first movie. Also, I think the whole string-lit car sequence is a genuinely good sequence. I think it's a it's one of the most fun parts of art design in the whole series. I think it's a super fun sequence to see them being taken out by... I mean, it's fun to watch her get... To, to run them over, but then it's over, and it goes back to being these lame, milk-toast characters running around the streets and getting on their high horse about, you know, winning an election and not well, being Well, yeah, as... but at least give me some fun set pieces rather than absolutely no fun set pieces of the first one. I don't think there's any good set pieces in the first one. I think 
it's nothing new. It's nothing we haven't seen before. And that's its biggest detriment, unlike this one, where it's a lot of bad. I agree with you. There's a lot of bad stuff in this movie. But at least it's trying something original with it at times in terms of, you know, direction and art design. I, I do agree, you know, the characters can be a little self-serious, but I appreciate that it's there's more of a sense of fun throughout it than there was in the first one. I think it's been toned down by a little more self-seriousness compared to anarchy, but the production design really carries the sense of fun in this movie. I don't get the same sense of fun that you do from this movie. I like the production design. I feel like the art department was having fun in creating these sort of uh, hyper-exaggerated, ridiculous characters and, and like, scenes, but the the movie itself doesn't feel fun at all to me the church shootout scene is pretty uninteresting yeah we had fun riffing on jordan peterson but if we had watched this movie separately and not together and not been doing that i know i at least would have had a much less fun time and I contribute any sense of fun that we got out of this movie to our particular shared experience and yes that's part of watching a movie but when I think you're gonna look at it critically you have to step back from your own particular experience to a certain extent because somebody else probably would not have the same experience of watching it that we did and the fun that we had was very well, I think was the, very particular the, the, to the us the core of it is the same because i don't think anyone could riff on the first purge like we did with this one well because no i i, I will I'll, off of. i know i'll concede you know, there's that there's nothing interesting enough or unique enough to riff off of and you know, even if our experiences were unique from it, which I do agree with, you know, I I think everyone's bringing into this movie or any movie their own experiences. But I think having something there to work off of says something about the movie in that, you know, it's it's miscalculated, it's not perfect it's not even necessarily good but at least it has something there where it has something at least to make it worth commentary i guess you could say i i will concede that the the particular political climate of our country right now has brought some much needed relevance to aspects of this movie that I don't think were there when it first came out. Um, I think it's still incredibly sloppy. Uh, I would still definitely qualify it as a mess of a film because it is. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it, it is a messy film. And I still think I like it less than the first one. The first one's boring, but the reason I'll say that it's a 
semi-competent slasher film is because even though it doesn't do anything original, it at least apes other slasher films that are better. It's just well, the fact the it's thing. just the I, fact that it, there's no there's no originality, I, which is what makes it boring, but at least it's pulling from tried and true aspects but of other movies. Is it even competent because I feel like with successful or even competent slasher movies you have to have characters that you at least empathize with. And with this movie, it's well, it, with the first movie, it's completely vapid you know it's not it doesn't even have that i feel like the characters are so cardboard yeah well characterization is obviously uh one of james demonico's weakest yes. uh writing aspects because he has yet to write an interesting character in any of these movies as far as i'm concerned but yeah what, what in terms of uh slasher elements did you find competent specifically one of the only other scenes that i enjoyed even moderately in the original purge is some of the the action in ethan hawk's uh like billiards room where like the the primary fight takes place where he kills a lot of the the home invaders i thought some of that was at least entertaining and well executed like watching him smash one dude's face into the fucking uh pinball machine a bunch of times uh you know using the the billiards ball to bash the dude in the head who's you know choking him blasting the shrieking bitch off the top of the pool table you know fucking one-handed swinging that big old axe into the back of the other dude it, it was decently choreographed yeah you know, that, like I, that stuff is like it, it was just so dark though uh, the the yeah the well the lighting is one of the more frustrating things because the power is cut in their house so basically the whole thing is lit with flashlights which i agree is a is a weak aspect but at least that stuff is like yeah we've seen it before but it's the kind of stuff that you would see in a slasher film something like the strangers and that at least works on a surface level it's uninteresting because you can go watch any number of other movies and see the same thing done better but from a strictly by the numbers point it's not badly executed it's just why would you pick to watch that over others i just feel like you others? get similar action sequences in both of the other movies except they're more colorful in the other two i mean and maybe they're, they're a bit dumber i think I, I feel like the other two, in, in the other two, it mostly just comes down to I'm on one side of the room and I have a gun. You're on the other side of the room and you have a gun. We're going to hide behind things and shoot at each other. Like, at least in the third one, we get the the knife fight between uh, Snake Plissken and the, the Nazi uh, chief, which is... I don't know what the fuck happened in that scene, if it was the editing or the choreography, but they it's from one weird. shot from one shot to the next they'll end up in completely different positions yeah, like than they were face to face and then And then it cuts and they're they're like back to stomach or whatever. Yeah. It's 
like I didn't find that stuff that entertaining. That came down to more like what you'd see in like an action movie, like a John Wick style movie, but choreographed worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think the action choreography is the messiest in this movie out of the three. Like, at least in the scene with the the two two girls outside the deli, we get Georgina running them over with the ambulance and then getting out and, like, blasting them with the shotgun. Like, that's that, that was okay, but it is so quick. It lasts for such a brief amount of time that right as you're starting to enjoy it, it goes back to being boring again. So I, that is one of my biggest shortcomings. I wish there were more good set pieces in this movie. Yeah. I I like, you get a lot of little ones. You get like the presidential figures all surrounding this person. You have the guillotine, you have all these little things, but they don't really, even the knife fight of the crypts, um, yeah, but you don't get them well, it's, culminating it's all, into any sort of meaningful. It's all scene. it. It's music video stuff. Like it's it's cool shots that you get that you would see intercut with somebody rapping or singing. It's like it it comes across as a Travis Scott music video without the music. You know, like super edgy, but stylistically creative. And when it's used in something like a music video, it's much more effective than in a boring, poorly written, mediocrely acted film. It's like I get little hints of visuals that I think are interesting in an overall boring plot that I don't care about with characters that I don't care about. Yeah, we should rate this. I think we're starting to repeat ourselves at this point um i'll start i guess i think this is a pretty messy movie i think the the political aspect is really dumb and half-baked the problem is james monaco is not using these movies to say anything smart or coherent even so a lot of it feels very half-baked and not thought through all the way um, that being said, I think the art design is the real guiding light in this movie. I think it's really the savior of this movie. It's the most fun it's been in any of the three. It's the most over-the-top and campy and fun. The villainous Jordan Peterson and his cult of the Founding Fathers is kind of fun conceptually. And even in action, the whole third act, while it's all over the place. If you watch it thinking, hey, that dude looks exactly like Jordan Peterson, <laughs> you're going to have a pretty good time. Um, if anything, I all I can say is watch this movie with a group of friends when you're drunk. This movie would be better when there's alcohol involved <laughs> and you're not taking it seriously. I would ultimately give this a two and a half pods out of five. Um, it's still a mess. Not as good as Anarchy, but it's fun. It's more fun than the first. I still think this is my least favorite of the three. 
Um, we'll see next week if it's my least favorite <laughs> of the four, uh, or if there will be a new bottom dog. Um, all I can really give this movie is, uh, production and art design. Um, some of the costumes are cool. Uh, you know, the cinematography is fine. They, they shot pretty much all of these movies pretty well. Um, but I did not need Snake Plissken to return. He's such a boring character. Uh, and none of the additional characters that they've added in this movie are interesting. Cut rate Denzel is bafflingly racist. Uh, he's stereotypical. The, we didn't really talk about it, but the, the, the Mexican kid who works for him is very stereotypical. Uh, Jordan Peterson is funny if you look at him as literally Jordan Peterson. Um, yeah, all, all I can really give this movie is that it looks cool. It's got some cool visuals. Other than that, cannot say that I would recommend, um, I'm going to give it a two out of five pods. Uh, so that'll give it an average rating of 2.3 out of five pods and will bring us to the conclusion of this episode of Purge Coverage. Next week, as promised, we will uh, have a mini-pod on the first purge, not to be confused with the first purge. Hopefully it'll be the last purge. Oh yeah, God, I I really hope so. Thank God for Movie Pass, so I don't have to pay money to go see this <laughs> right? movie in Shout theaters. Out movie Jesus Pass. Christ. Um, don't go bankrupt, please. Like, I know you're going to. Um, so yeah, check back next week for a solo review of the first purge. And uh, then we can conclude our thoughts on the series as a whole. If you like the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take a few seconds out of your day to do that. Uh, if you're uh, if you're a fan of the show and you want to keep listening to us, uh, do shit like this. Um, yeah, just do that. Uh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, at PodPeoplePod. Um, engage with us there. Tell us what you think about The Purge. Tell us which one that you think is the best or the worst. Which of The Purge movies is the most racist? Which of The Purge movies is the least racist? <laughs> um, if you don't have social media, you can hit us up at uh, podpeoplepod at gmail.com. Um, check out our letterboxed page for a, uh, full comprehensive list of all of the movies we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and, uh, links to those episodes. If you haven't heard them already, those can obviously all be found in our backlog as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. And I'm at Mr. Sheets. And, uh, yeah, curious to hear, uh, some of y'all's thoughts on the Purge franchise, because um, it's honestly something that I, I wish would just go ahead and stop. Just 
just stop. Purge itself from. I'm my I'm life. curious. I'm curious to see what this new one is going to be without the uh, participation of James DeMonico. I know he didn't direct it. I don't think he wrote it. I might be wrong about that, but uh, I'm curious to see what this one's going to be like. I'm expecting the worst, though. Um, Will it be better or worse now that it's a prequel to... Uh, worse, probably. Yeah, I'm also very curious to see how much more this movie convolutes the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to be a mess. But thank you, as always, for listening. Check back next week for our review of The First Purge. And until then, uh, purge your bowels. I'm going to go do that right now. Okay, <laughs> bye. Bye.